today with a story, and then I'll get into the title of my message, and then we'll get into the word. But, but there was a man. There was a man, and he was a very spiritual man, um, and he loved to quote the Bible, and he loved to say words that were hyper-spiritual all the time, but he loved animals, and he especially loved horses. And so he trained his horses to respond to certain Christianese sayings. And he trained this specific horse that every time he would say, hallelujah, the horse would go. Okay? And when he said, praise the Lord, the horse would stop. Hallelujah, go, praise the Lord, stop. And one day this man was riding the horse. And he was riding so fast that he didn't notice that he was approaching a cliff. And he knew that he had trained this horse to stop and go based on certain words that he said. But in that moment, he forgot. And he was trying to recall the words Adonai, is it Adonai? Is it, is it your, your presence camps in us? Is it Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha? And he forgot all of it until he finally yelled out, praise the Lord. And the horse stopped right, right before the cliff. And he said to himself, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hey. There is power in your words. <laughs> and today, the title of my message is The Weight of Your Words. And you may be asking, well, why are you preaching this, Pastor Willem? Well, let me tell you why I'm preaching it. It's because I need to hear this message. And so before you hear it, I'm preaching this to myself. Because I notice that sometimes or many times, I say the wrong thing. Many times, I say the right things, but I say it the wrong way. And sometimes, when I'm supposed to speak up, I don't say anything at all. I need this message, and I hope that as I preach it, you will be blessed by this as well. And how many of you married couples, right before the marriage conference, let's bring up a nice little bad memory. How many of you married couples get into a fight, and it feels like it's World War III. Both hands emphatically shoot up. It's World War III in your house, like missiles are being fired, and there's just things flying, and it's like rah, 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 and it's chaos, and it's mayhem. And all of a sudden, when things settle down, you start to CSI the crime scene, and you're wondering, what happened? And I don't know about you, but do you ever get into a fight and halfway into the fight, you wonder, what are we fighting about again? Why are we yelling at each other again? Why are tempers flaring again? And you have no idea and you forget why you fought. And after you investigate the crime scene, you discover that there is a weapon. You discover that there was a spark that started it all, and do you know what that is? It is a word. It is a word, and maybe that word was, you really gonna wear that? Oh, no, you didn't. 
Oh, maybe the word was, can I give you some feedback? What? What? Or, or, or maybe, maybe the word was, hey, do you know you, maybe you could have done that differently? Oh, it always starts with a word. And so today I want to talk about it. And if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we're going to read a chunk of passage, but I want you to listen because the word of God can speak to you today. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what, he's, in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now listen to this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, horse is the theme for today, by the way, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they, were, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Strong words by James. It is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, this is such a positive passage, isn't it? With a tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My, fellow, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The Apostle James is speaking very strongly here about the power of words. And I want to share a few thoughts with you. And the first thing is this. Words spoken over you can determine your life. Words spoken over you can determine your life. Listen to what he says. When we put bits into the mouths of horses or make them obey us, we turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Have any of you gone horseback riding before? I lived in Baguio and I hated horses when I was living in Baguio. Like, why? Just take a car. But now that I'm a tourist, every time I go to Baguio, let's ride them horses. I love it. And I don't know if, if you notice, but, but there, I had a moment of fame on a horse. I was, I, I was featured for about 0.5 seconds on TV Patrol. And it was when they were promoting 
grab horse. Was it there? <laughs> That's good, Alvy. That's really good. Grab horse. They were promoting grab horse. And I saw myself. I, it was on YouTube, though. You can search it. And I saw myself, right? But how do you turn a horse? If you want to turn a horse, you turn the head. And you turn it 17 degrees this way, and the horse will follow you, and it'll turn that way. Can you imagine wanting to turn the horse, getting off of the horse, asking your friends, hey, can you lift up each leg, and let's, let's, just, let's just turn the horse a little bit this way, and let's, because I want to go in that direction. No. The horse is turned by its head. And if you turn the head of the horse, the entire animal will turn based on where the head is pointed. In the same way, a ship, this gigantic ocean liner, Titanic, the voyages of the sea, all those different cruise names, the Atlantic, all those cities that are floating on the ocean. Can you imagine if a captain said, we got to turn this ship? All people, move to the left. Is that starboard? Any sailors out here? Everybody, starboard. No one knows, so no one cares. Everybody, starboard, right? This is how you're going to turn the ship. Hey, you, you look a bit heavier than everybody else. Can you please come and join us? That's not how we turn the ship. We turn the ship by a small rudder, and this small rudder is minuscule. It's microscopic. It is so small in comparison with the entire ship. But when you turn that rudder, you turn the entire ship. And it's the same with the words spoken over you. You may think that words are just letters put together, but words have meaning. You ever hang around anxious people? Listen to their words. They use anxious words. You ever hang around confident people? Listen to their words. Their words are confident. You ever listen to angry people? Their words are angry. Have you ever listened to someone with faith? Their words are full of faith. And in the book of Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And the wisest person to ever walk the face of this earth says, life is in your words. Death is in your words. And everything in between is in your words. And here is what I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet 99.9999999 to the nth power. I'm willing to bet that there's that many people here where words were spoken over you, and it either meant life or death. You're not good enough. Why can't you be more like your sister? Oh, you never change. Oh, di bago. Right? Have you ever heard those words? When you do, and it's always when you do something wrong. Oh, you're always like that. Ever since you were a kid, you were always like that. My Korean parents never said that to me, but they said it in Korean. 
You're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. And not the good things, all the bad things. And these words could have been spoken over you years ago. They could have been spoken over you decades ago. But those words are still writing your story today. And whether you're aware of it or not, you start speaking those words over yourself. You start prophesying those words over yourself, and those words begin to fulfill themselves whether you know it or not. But then there are words that are spoken that are encouraging. There are words that are spoken that are prophetic. There are words that are spoken that are life-giving. And some of you, you had the privilege to hear those words spoken over you. Words like, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. Keep going. Keep going. And for some of you, you've had connect leaders, amazing connect leaders, speak words over you when you were hopeless, when you're down in the dark. And they said, don't worry. It'll get better. Don't worry. God is with you. He will not leave you. He's been with you from then. He's with you now. And he's going to be with you in the future. And I don't know if you've ever heard those, those words spoken over you, but they lift your soul. They bring courage into your heart. And it's ironic because I'm using words today. But throughout my life, there have been people who have spoken words that have changed the trajectory of my life. And I remember three years ago, walking into Shang. And I don't know if you remember this, Pastor James. I was in a bad place, a very, very bad place. I was walking around like the sun wasn't shining. I was walking around like the flowers don't bloom. I don't know why I'm doing this. I snap. I feel like the points get stronger. When I, uh-uh, no, you didn't. Uh-uh. The, shine don't, the sun don't shine. And I remember going into that service, Pastor Kate. I don't know if you remember, but you pulled me aside. Remember the goggles? You don't remember? She doesn't remember it, but the words that she spoke, I still remember them to this day. And you said that I was tired. You said that God wanted to sit next to me and say, hey, let's look at the ocean because there's freedom in the ocean. You remember that? And then you spoke words to me again about the flag and my family. You may not have remembered it till now, but I remember it. And it guides me because the words spoken over you can determine your life. Pastor James, I don't know if you know this, but you are an encourager. And every time you speak those words of faith, I don't know if you know this, but you have spoken words to me during this time that have healed me. And I don't know about you, but Pastor James has enough faith for more than one person. And do you know what he says? And it's kind of annoying sometimes. Do you know why? Because it's unbelievable. It's crazy. And so ever since we've talked about Korea, do you know what he says? God's going to give you a building. God's going to give you a building. And do you know how I react? Okay, whatever. It'll happen when it happens. Whatever, sure. Great things to work, great things to say, Pastor. I gotta be honoring, right? So I tell him, yeah, amen. But in the back of my head, I'm like, 
Pastor James, if this don't happen, uh-uh, I don't know what. But he kept saying it to me over and over again. And how many of you know that sometimes faith has to be repeated over and over again? And Jesus says to knock. And if the door isn't open, you continue knocking because that's what faith is. And I think sometimes we think faith is having the feeling to do it, but faith is having the belief that God will do what he promises to do. But not only does Pastor James say that, now the other Aten, Pastor Chris, he comes into the church, and do you know what he says? I believe <laughs> that God's going to give you a building. I'm tag-teamed by the eight and father, by the eight and son, building, building, building. I believe, I believe, I believe. And guess what? They've repeated it so many times that all of a sudden, I'm starting to believe it. I'm starting to believe it. Faith needs to be declared over and over again. And when you get sick of declaring it, declare it some more. When you're tired, you ask somebody to stand in faith with you. Amen. Woo! Now, there are words that you can begin speaking over yourself. And there are words that you can encourage yourself with. And these words will begin to give you a heavenly perspective and not just a worldly perspective. And you may have had a past where you felt defeated, where you felt worthless and you felt wasted, but let me tell you that God is still writing your story. And I'm not saying this because it sounds cool. I'm not saying it because it sounds good to say, but I'm saying this because I'm believing this for myself. That as we go to Korea, that as we go to Seoul, as people's lives are transformed, as people come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I know that he's writing my story again. And I know that he's continuing to write your story. So declare words of hope over yourself. Declare words of freedom over yourself. Declare words of power over yourself. But the second thing is, you got to measure your words to others. So speak over yourself, but measure your words to others. It says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Words you speak to others have power. Words you speak over others have an impact. Do you know why I know? Because I witnessed this two weeks ago. My daughter loves Doritos. She absolutely loves Doritos. And when we go to the grocery store, we'll see all the different chips. Hey, babe, you, you, want, you want chippy? You want tortillos? You want ruffles? No! I want Doritos. I'm team Doritos. And not just any flavor Doritos. I like nacho cheese Doritos. 
How many of you love Doritos? But how many of you know that your words have power? Because my favorite chip is jalapeno Cheetos. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking, because it's got a little bit of tang. It's got a little bit of spice. Woo, so good. And I kept telling her, I said, hey, you've got to try these. They're really good. No, I don't like I don't want to try it. You got kids, they don't want to try it. They don't want to try it. No, no, no. I'm like, it's really, really good. If you just have one taste, you might like it. You never know. Like, no, 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 no. And after years of trying to bring her into the promised land, <laughs> she finally had one taste. And you know when kids, they taste it and they like it, but they don't want you to know they like it? <laughs> It's all right, <laughs> right? It's got all the attitude. It's all right, whatever. And then she takes another piece, right? How do you like it, Ella? <laughs> whatever, it's okay. I think it's bearable. <laughs> and now she, and then she kept eating it. Just get your hands off my Cheetos. Eat your Doritos. Now, if you ask her, what is your favorite chips? Guess what? I've got a convert in the house. <laughs> Jalapeno Cheetos. Why? There is power in the words that you speak to other people. Measure your words and get everybody to like Jalapeno Cheetos. So good. Words that you speak over others have power. And there are times when people just use their words flippantly, oh, Pastor, you've gained weight. <laughs> pastor, eating a little too much. And what do we do? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And then what do we go? <laughs> Hi, welcome to church. You're so. Your words to others have power. Eight pounds, eight pounds. They have power. And the Apostle James, he's writing this letter to the churches. And in these churches, it was crazy. False teachers going left and right saying, Jesus isn't the son of God. Jesus was just a spirit. Jesus wasn't really on earth. There was all these different types of teachings. But to add to all that, there was gossip. There was strife. There was envy, there was backbiting, there was just mean-spirited stuff. And James was saying, hey, be careful what you say because your words could spread like wildfire. So not only are there words, but here's what he's saying. If I could take a little liberty, he's saying this. He's saying the world gossips. Of course they do. They're not in Jesus. The world is mean and unkind. Of course they are. Why? They're not in Jesus. The world is speaking badly of each other. Of course they do. Why? Because they don't have Jesus. But you who call yourself to be in Jesus, your life should be different. And if your life is different, your words should be different. But James uses a really strong term that I think we all need to get here. Here's what he's he says, he says, it's straight from hell. 
He says it's straight from hell. And I think all of us need to just kind of understand the gravity of that. That sometimes our words can be straight from hell. And I was like, come on, James, are you serious? Straight from hell? That's a little much, isn't it? That's a little sobra, isn't it? That's a little excessive, isn't it, James, that our words are from hell? And what he's saying is this. We could be born-again Christians. We could come to church, choppy, even love Jesus. But the evil inclination in us, the words we use against one another, our family, our brothers and our sisters can be straight from hell. And you're asking, hell? What do you mean, hell? Well, in the Old Testament, there was a place named hell. I gotta read it. It's a place called Gehenna. And that was hell. And it was this valley where people sacrificed children. And thousands of Jews died in that valley. And what James is saying is that when you use words, they came straight from the source of death. He's saying, be careful the words that you use because no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how often you come to church, your words can be used by the devil himself. How many of you know that generational curses can be passed through words? The person can be long dead, but the words that were spoken over can pass from generation to generation. How many people have been held in bondage for years because of a word? How many children have been trafficked all over the world because of an order? because of an evil word from an evil person. And how many people have experienced spiritual abuse? They've had to go through counseling. They've doubted themselves. They've stopped going to church. They've walked away from the faith all because of a word. And you see, the pastor may have been Christian, but the word spoken to manipulate and corrupt is straight from hell. You need to understand this. The mom and dad may have been Christian, but the words spoken over that make you small, that belittle you, they're straight from hell. And James says, with the same mouth we praise God, and then we turn right back around and we curse our brothers and our sisters. And he says, this shouldn't be. And I had a revelation this week, and this is my revelation. I'm going to share it with you, and I want this to be your revelation as well. I will not do the devil's work. Come on. I will not do the devil's work. I will not do the devil's work. And this is your prayer. Ready? This is your prayer for today. The psalmist says that the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And James 4, 7, it says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? How do you stop a general, generational curse? 
How do you begin to extend now a generational blessing? It is through our words. It is through words of blessing. It is through words of strength. It is through words of belief. And parents, let me speak to you right now. This is hard. This is difficult because every single ounce in your body, you want to be like, ah! I've told you 25 times already. Don't you get it? But there's a reason why Paul says love is patient. Because patient isn't something that you do. Patience is something that you endure. Leaders, be careful how you speak to the people that follow you. Because not only does it have an impact on their lives, but they begin to repeat you. They begin to parent you. And one day, they'll start repeating the words that you say. And you have an opportunity to create a generational blessing through the people that follow you. Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And Paul is saying, your conversations, the words that you speak, should look completely different from the world. It should not sound the same way. Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise, they bring healing. They bring healing. Can I tell you what I'm working on? When I have something good to say, I say it. No, no, you got to hear this. When you got something good to say, just say it. You know what I used to do? When I think of something good to say, some honoring to say, a compliment, I start to overthink, should I say this? Should I not say it? What will they think if I say it? Oh my gosh, will they think that I'm weird? And I remember the Holy Spirit just saying, stop it. Just say it. Speak words of courage to people. Speak words of blessing to people. Speak words of power. Speak words of truth to people. Because everything around them is trying to cut them down. The world is trying to bring you down. Your workplace is trying to bring you down. But what if the church could be the one place where we didn't hold back the words of encouragement, the words of blessing, the words of truth, the words of power? Oh, then we could truly be the body of Christ. And this German, German theologian, Named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Do we got any Germans in the house? Yeah, what's up? I'll feed us Yeah. You know, I speak, I speak German. I speak German. And this is what he says. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived through, he lived through the Hitler regime. Like that, huh? And he says this. Listen to this. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks Christ's words over him. Amen? The Christian needs another Christian who speaks Christ's words to him. Here's the reason why. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. Okay? So the Christ in 
my own heart is weaker than the Christ in your heart. His heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And how many of you, when you were hopeless, had someone come alongside you and speak words of hope? How many of you, when you were in doubt, had someone come alongside you and speak words of belief? How many of you, when you were hurting, came alongside you and you could see no other way out and you thought it was gonna end this way and someone came and said, be healed. Someone came and said, I am with you. Someone came and said, Jesus is for you and not against you. And so if you have a word that you want to speak to somebody that is encouraging and it's a blessing and it's a powerful word, my encouragement is you speak it. Don't hold back. The third thing is this, is that you got to apply God's promises over you. You got to apply God's promises over you. The words you speak to yourself, they're powerful, but they're not the most powerful. The words you speak towards others, they're powerful, but not the most powerful. There's something more powerful. You know what it is? It's God's word over you. And you see, I was, rem- I was reminded of something. I was doing some research for this, and I was reminded of this thing called the rhema word of God. Oh, yeah, the rhema word of God. I think people would say the rhema word of God. I received the rhema word of God. The rhema word of God. Because there's a word of God that's in the Bible and it's called the logos. That is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. But the rhema word of God is God's personal revelation to you. And for some of you, you'll read the same passage and get two different revelations. For some of you, you're listening to this message right now and God is pointing out something completely different to you than the person next to you. That is called the rhema word. It is a personal revelation to you. But here's the problem. Many of us hear the word of God. Many of us read the word of God. Many of us even have the rhema word of God. But there's no power. Do you know why there's no power? There is no power because the word is not applied. And for some of you, you've been coming to church week in and week out, and you've been hearing a good word. But you're living Monday through Friday, and you're asking yourself, how come my life isn't changed? And the reason why is because the word that you hear is not applied. And and, do you know what it's it's like? It's like being sick, and you go to the doctor, and you get a prescription, and you even go to mercury drug, and you buy the drugs, but instead of taking it, you just leave it. You put it up as decoration. The medicine is not applied, so it cannot change you. Or maybe for some of you, you haven't taken a bath in days, and you bought some wonderful shampoo. But instead of using that shampoo and just applying it all over your body, you take that shampoo and you put it on top of your shelf and that shampoo has no power because you 
have not applied it. And for some of you, God has been giving you a word for years. And you've always said later, later, when I'm ready, later, when the time is right. And that rhema word of God that God has given you is no longer the impactful word, but it's become white noise. And today, my desire is to reawaken that which has been dormant. My desire is for us to reawaken that word of God that he had for you so many years ago because that word of God then is still true now and the time is now. The time is now. The time is now. So many of you have been saying later, 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 later. I will live free. No, it's now. For many of you, later, I'm going to speak kindly. No, the time is now. Later, I'm going to live in power and authority. No, the time is now. And my parents have always declared over me, William, you're so fragrant. Jesus loves you. Do you see how many great things he's done? Why do I sound like Donald Trump? <laughs> they kept saying it over and over again. Willem, you're so favored. Willem, God is so good to you. You see that thing that happened? Man, that doesn't happen to everyone, Willem. Do you understand that? And for years, I would be like, whatever. You got to say that. You know, professors of theology, come on, that's just the right thing to say. And there was a switch that went off less than a year ago. And I said to myself, what if I am favored? What if I am blessed? What if the words that they say to me are true? And I started walking around and I started looking at my life from a perspective of defeat to a perspective of victory, a perspective of blessing that God will never leave me nor forsake me. And for some of you, you need to start applying a word in your life because that's when you'll see true transformation. And for some of you, you got to apply these words. You got to say, I'm now a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. For some of you, you got to say, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Some of you need to say, in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. There's nothing in this world that can defeat me because my story is still being written. If God is for me, then who? can be against me. Woo! And let me tell you, I have been inspired because there's power in words. And uh, a couple months ago, I went to jail. Visited jail. <laughs> 10 a.m. broadcast. Ah, should have saved it for this week. Man, and I went to maximum. I went to minimum. I went to medium. We had baptisms, and they asked me to come to Maximum. And let me tell you something. I was a little scared. I've seen way too many movies. 
where people walk in and they I'm like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? This is maximum security prison. And the women in there, there was, there was a circle of women in there who belonged to the church. And they were all sitting together and you could tell they just looked a little different. They, they, they walked around a little differently from everybody else. And then they gave me this. And I've kept this in my bag and I would read it once in a, in, in a while and it's so profound that these words were written by women who have no freedom. That these words were written by women who have had everything taken away from them. Women who society says is good for nothing. But these words are powerful. Is it okay if I read some of these words to you? Keep in mind, this is maximum security prison, man. All power is yours, sovereign God, my Father. I have confessed Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and clothed in his righteousness. I am in Christ, and I'm co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected, co-ascended, and co-seated in the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I receive all his full operation in my life. I yield myself to all of God for his service and for his glory. The devil has no place in me, no power, dominion, rule, authority, or force over me. There are no unsettled claims or effectual assignments against me. All is covered by the spotless blood of the Lamb. Every, every crime that I committed, it's covered by the spotless blood of the Lamb. I overcome Satan by the victory of that blood. I stand against every lie the deceiver ever told me. Woo! I refuse all his accusations and condemnation and guilt, having placed all my sins on the cross. I take back all ground I ever gave him. I close every door I ever opened to him, intentionally or in ignorance. In the name of Jesus, in his authority, by his blood, according to his word, and in the power of his spirit, I pull down every stronghold the devil ever erected in my life by sin, my own or that of my parents or of prior generations. I know that my weapons are, my, are mighty through God to pull down every stronghold and cast down every trick of the mind. I refuse everything that exalts itself against knowing God. Let me read that again. I refuse everything that exalts itself against knowing God knowing his will and doing it in disobedience to Jesus Christ. I have perfect liberty and victory in Jesus and live in it in Jesus' name. Christ is victorious over all the power of the enemy and I am also in him. Come on, can we give God praise? And I said to myself, if they can speak words over them, 
and find victory and freedom behind bars, how much more me? How much more us? Can you begin to prophesy words of life, words of freedom, words of encouragement, and begin pulling down words from heaven and say, the devil has no right on me anymore. But you see, in order to do that, there needs to be a change in your heart. And John said it, that in the beginning, there was the Word. And the perfect Word of God dwelt among us, and He was with us, and that Word is Jesus. And you see, for these words to have full power over you, you need to say yes to Jesus. And, and I love these words by the early church father. He says, our hearts are restless unless they find rest in you. And maybe you're here and you've been restless. Maybe you, you're here and you've been anxious all the time. And he, and he goes on to say that there's a God-shaped vacuum in every man that only Christ can fill. And maybe for you, you've been trying to fill that shape, that hole in your heart with money, with entertainment, with status. But let me tell you, that hole can only be filled by God. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity for God to come into your life and for his word to come into you and transform you. Is that okay? And so I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if that's you, and you're saying, yes, Willem, I've been restless. I've been anxious. I've been tired. I've tried everything. But I'm here for a reason. And if that's you, I want to pray for you because I want you to accept Jesus. And maybe for you, you've been trying to fill your heart with everything other than God, but you're still wanting more. It can never satisfy you. And let me tell you, my brother and my sister, you're here because it's only Jesus that can satisfy. And so if that's you, and today you want to cross that line of faith and you want to say yes to Jesus, I want to pray for you. On the count of three, if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand with every eye closed and with every head bowed. And if you're watching online, I want you to do the same. On the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hands. I see you. I see you back there. I see you back there. I see you over here. I see, I see two over here. I see over here. I see you. Anybody else would say yes to Jesus today? Come into my life. I see you back there. I see you. I see you over there. I don't want to rush this moment. I see you. Anybody else? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come on, if that's you, I want you to place your hand over your heart and repeat these words after me, and we're all going to say it together. But for those of you who made the decision, I want you to mean these words with your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now, and I ask you to fill my life with your love. I believe that you died on the cross and he rose again, victorious over anything that holds me back. 
victorious over the enemy. And so now I ask you to come into my life to become my Lord and my Savior and to become my best friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.